It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. History will be made at the Hydro Arena in Glasgow on July the 18th as the UFC lands in Scotland for the very first time. And one half of the main event is joining me right now at the Sun Plus Studios. Michael the Count Bisbing. Michael, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. It's been a very busy day for you. I really appreciate the time. Not at all. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Of course, I, I live in California, but I've come out here to promote the fight. Um, it sold out in 25 minutes, so I'm absolutely ecstatic about that. I'm very, very grateful and thankful to uh, the UK fan base. But um, yeah, you know, it's a necessary evil. I've got to promote the fight and I, I love doing that. I love the sound of my own voice, you could say. I certainly, I've got no choice about it today. But yeah, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Great stuff. It's been five years since you fought here in the UK. Yeah. UFC 120, uh, O2 Arena, Yoshihiro Akiyama. Yes. Um, What's changed for Michael Bisbing since that fight? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, a long time, five years, half a decade. Um, I've certainly grown as a person. I've grown as a fighter as well. I mean, that's what everybody's interested in. Um, I'm a better fighter. I'm constantly striving to learn more and more. Uh, since then, I, move, I live in America. I live in California now. I'm working with new coaches, a new team. Um, and truly, you know, I really am learning more. I'm every day making leaps and bounds in my striking, my wrestling, my jiu-jitsu. My athletic ability is way better than what it used to be. I'm much more explosive, I'm stronger. Um, and even though it's been five years, I, I feel that I'm in my prime now. I feel better athletically now, certainly than what I did five years ago. And it's been a long and very successful career for you in the UFC so far. Let me take you back to when you first got that break to get into the UFC through the Ultimate Fighter. Um, just before you got that call to actually be on the show, um, what were your ambitions at that point? Were you, were you hell-bent on getting in the UFC, or was it just uh, more of a recreational thing for you at that point? No, absolutely, I was hell-bent. See, when I got involved with this sport, I got involved with it to get to the very top and, and to have a very, very successful career out of it. That, that, that was the only reason why I got involved with this sport. It was purely financial reasons. Um, of course, I, I love martial arts and I'm a lifelong martial artist. Started doing martial arts when I was eight years old, but I got in, this was a business venture. When I got into this sport, I quit work. Uh, it was an old coach of mine from when I was a kid. He told me about the explosion of the UFC and pride in Japan and that there was money to be made. And with my background in martial arts and the ability that I had in martial arts and the success I had in tournaments on the world stage and local stage, he felt that I could uh, really make an impact and I weighed up the pieces and uh, I quit work and he helped me out financially for a while and um, that's what I went for but all right from day one the goal was to be in the UFC and uh, try and achieve the kind of things I have achieved and for a lot of fighters part of the goal is to get into the UFC yeah then you're in the big leagues you're in there with the best fighters sure. in the world was there a moment where sort of the light bulb went off in your head and you were like I could be a world champion in this sport. I'm at that level. I can actually do this. Well, to be honest, I always felt like that. You know, you've got to have that confidence. This is a sport. It's a very unforgiving sport. And unless you believe yourself and you have that confidence, you know, you, you're going to run into problems pretty quickly. Um, you know, but certainly 
you know, I started doing very well in the UK on the local scene. You know, I was undefeated. I'd won all the titles that were worth winning, Cage Rage, Cage Warriors, all these promotions I was the champion of. Uh, and then the, the UFC came around and, sorry, the Ultimate Fighter. And, you know, I, I went on the Ultimate Fighter and I went there purely and single-minded to win, not to get TV time or anything like that. I went there to win. And fortunately, I was able to achieve that and I did very well. And, you know, I, I not only won... You know, in the fighting terms, I kind of entertained people as well. So that was kind of good because people saw a bit of my personality on there. Maybe that was a good thing. Maybe that was a bad thing. Who knows? Um, but then, yeah, of course, you know, the, the, the prize is a UFC contract. And I always say it's one thing getting to the UFC. It's another thing to stay in the UFC. In the UFC, you're competing against the best fighters in the world. And it's as simple as that. And, you know, a couple of losses and you're gone. So I'm very, very lucky. You know, of course... You know, I've trained hard and I've applied myself to my absolute fullest. But of course, a bit of good luck always goes down well. And, you know, so I've, I have been lucky and I've worked hard. And fortunately, after all this time, I'm still here, still going strong. And you're one of the UFC's biggest international stars now. Um, what, at what point did you realise that you are actually one of, the, one of the marquee names in the UFC now? Well, you know, I mean, to be honest, I, I never... I, I mean, you, you saying that there now, I mean, I don't even want to repeat the words because I don't like to be that guy, you know. I mean, I'm a very, very average guy from a very, very average background. And I, I feel the moment people start talking about themselves in those kind of sentences, you know, and describing themselves like that and say, I'm a big marquee name and I'm a superstar of the sport, you know, then for me, I'd really, I don't really have much time for you if, if you're of that you know, if that's the way you are. So I don't really want to say that. So it's very kind of you to say, and of course I'd be a fool if, you know, I didn't recognise the um, my own achievements, cause, which I do, I understand that, you know, and I'm, I'm fighting main events and co-main events and I'm very proud of fought all over the world. Um, but I'm not the type of guy that walks around patting myself on my back constantly and talking about my achievements. Um, hopefully I'll let other people do that for me. So thank you, Simon. Uh, <laughs> you said exactly what I wanted yeah, you to say yeah. without me having to say it. Um, no, there were certainly a few times because, as I said, the, the sport is such a cutthroat sport that it can all come crumbling down, you know, in, within one fight, you know, things like that. So that always kept me very hungry, kept me humble, kept me uh, training hard in the gym. You know, hungry is the, the best expression I could use because so many fighters, they get a bit of success, they get a little, a, a little money. And they forget what made them successful as fighters in the first place. You know, and certainly that wasn't the key for me. And of course, I've never been world champion. And, and that's ultimately what I strive for. So I'm still trying to achieve that. Um, but yeah, you know, there was times. I mean, of course, you know, life's been good. And I'm very happy with what I have achieved. I've achieved more than what I ever set out to originally. But I knew I could be champion and I still haven't achieved that, you know. So I've achieved a lot, but the ultimate goal, I still have not got there yet and just on that on that topic you've been in many respects incredibly unlucky um you say you've you've been very fortunate and sure. you know you've you've done very well but when it's come to that that final step to get that title shot and i know your aim isn't isn't a title shot it's the title yes and i know you've you've you know we've spoken about this before but the first step is obviously getting into that title fight yes. and you've had a handful of these instances where you've had you're basically one win away yeah. And it, it hasn't gone your way for, for a multitude of different reasons against a multitude of different opponents. Um, and a lot of those losses, in my mind at least, having seen them, you know, some of them have got asterisks against them. Absolutely. Um, and, and some of them were quite emphatic losses. Some of them were very, very close. Yeah. 
not notwithstanding how the fighters were, were fueled at the time, so sure. to speak. Was there one particular fight that, that you look back on that really stings you more than the others? You think, that's the one. That's the one that really should have been mine and I should have been fighting for a title after that. Well, there's two, really. The Vitor Belfort one, obviously, listen, he beat me fair and square on the night, but... Um you know, to see the Vitor Belfort that competed against Chris Weidman and the Vitor Belfort that I competed against, they looked like two completely different people. And of course, uh, Lorenzo came into my dressing room, Lorenzo Fatita, prior to that fight and said, listen, Michael, if you beat um, Vitor, Anderson's in the crowd, we want you to call him out. Say whatever you want. Don't cause a riot. We're in Brazil, but if you want to call him out, go for it. So, yep. you know, the title shot was there. And also the Chael Sonnen fight. The Chael Sonnen fight, you know, I had a great fight. I feel I won the fight. Chael feels I won the fight. He said to me right before the referee raised our hands as to who had won, he said, what do you think, Mike? And I said, honestly, I said, I think I got rounds one or two. And he said, you know what? I think you're right. Anyway, he, he got the decision and good for him. Um, but he even felt that I won. And then afterwards, and Chael recently said to me on his podcast, you know, he said, uh, Michael, I feel you won that fight anyway, but I got the decision. He said, on top of that, I was taking testosterone injections. I was taking human growth hormone, amongst other things. You know, how does that make you feel? And of course, he went on his podcast, so he wants it to be entertaining, you know, and he's trying to attract viewers. And he's, So he's, it's a loaded question, you know. So I didn't give him the reaction. And I said, well, to be honest, I'm not bitter about it. It is what it is. And that's how I feel today. Um... But had I got the decision against that, you know, had the rightful decision been made, I would have fought for the title. Had he not been taking steroids, I would have definitely beat him in more an emphatic fashion. And had I fought for the title, I believe I would have beaten Anderson and I would have generated millions of dollars and my legacy would have been complete. So when you look at it like that, of course, you, you know, you can... You can work yourself up a little bit, but I, I don't do that. There's no point, you know, uh, harboring ill will for things that you can't control anymore and getting worked up over things that are history. You know, like people always say about the Dan Henderson knockout. People love to make fun of that. And it's like, do you think that bothers me? It could, because it really doesn't. That's part of MMA history. There was a long time ago, and I came back from that a better fighter, and I'm proud that even so that I was in there and I was a part of UFC 100. And yeah, okay, it didn't go my way. Far from it, but still, you know, I'm still here to tell the tale and this and that. It's part of history, you know, and I've got a story to tell. So these things don't bother me and I learn from them. You and Dan get on all right now? Uh, you know, listen, he's a Neanderthal. I have nothing to say to Dan Henderson. I don't, you know, I don't spend my time speaking to people that mumble, you know, that can't really string together a decent sentence. So we don't really have anything to say to each other. Well, I'm doubly grateful. To, <laughs> I'm doubly grateful that you're talking to me now. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, no, no, no. I've, no. I've got nothing against Dan Henderson, apart from the fact that he loves to use this image of him floating above me as like on his banners and things like that. It's like get over it, but whatever. Image rights. That's what image rights. Image rights. Next thing I wanted to ask you, um, obviously you've had those, th that, those disappointments and then you had that, that bad injury to your eye. Yes. Um, and it looked like you were recovering well from that and then you had a redetached retina again. Yes. It was quite a serious situation to be in. Yes. Uh, especially for someone in your, in your line of work. Mm -hmm. um, were there ever moments privately away from, away from the glare of the media that you were sitting down and thinking, I might not be coming back? Never once. Never once. I mean, of course, I was I was uh, 
Because my doctor always said, listen, we'll get there, we'll get there. So therefore, if he said that, then that's fine. That's all I needed to hear because as far as I was concerned, I was never not going to fight. It was just a case of whether I was going to be allowed to fight. So it wasn't a case of me not having the balls or the, the, the drive to compete still. That was never the issue. The issue was, is the eye going to heal and am I going to be able to get medical clearance? And the doctor always assured me, listen, we're going to get there. Medical science has come on vastly since the 80s when that used to be a career-threatening threatening injury. So, um, yeah, no, never once. Of course, there was, uh, uh, you know, a few moments of depression and stuff, you know, mm. when I couldn't fight here. Uh, so at the time when I couldn't fight, I remember I was, the last time we spoke, it was January and uh, 2014, I was here for a month. And at the time I was suspended with, uh, you know, problems with the eye. And I went running in the morning and my knee was killing. And, you know, so I couldn't run properly. And I was, my eye was stuffed and I had some other injuries. And I was running along the Docklands. I could see the Millennium Dome, the O2 in the background, you know. And obviously I've had great performances there. And, yeah, you know, that was, it was kind of heartbreaking because I was like, who am I kidding? I'm running down here. I'm bloody, my eyesight's buggered. You know, the doctors still, still haven't cleared me. My knees are shot, you know. And, yeah, it, it, it was quite saddening. Yeah, of course. So there was times like that, yes. But in my mind, I was always going to come back. You know, I, I am the definition of a fighter. It's as simple as that. And um, in my mind, there was no question of coming back, but it was just a case of when the doctors would let me. Fortunately, you know, that, that's all behind me now. You worked your way back, and probably the, the performance that really made the big statement that, you know, Michael Bisbee is back is the Kung Lee fight. Sure. Um, how big a fight was that for you, and how, how important was that to you to get that decisive stoppage finish against a dangerous striker like Kung Lee? Yeah, yeah well, well it, it, it was massive because, you know, I had some time off and I was having a great career, good run, but I had some time off and um, with the eye. And then I came back and I fought Tim Kennedy. And what I did was I had over a year off and then from the doctor clearing me and saying, right, OK, we, we think you can take a fight now. I called the UFC straight away and said, yeah, I can fight. And they offered me a fight in seven weeks. I went from literally sitting on my backside doing nothing for a year to seven weeks later uh, fighting, you know, a world-class wrestler and a top ten opponent, you know, who's still like, ranked number seven or something, you know, uh, in at the deep end. And I hadn't wrestled. And even in the training camp for those seven weeks, I couldn't get a hold of any wrestling partners. And I was out-wrestled in that fight. I was. And um, so that really annoyed me because after all this time away, that's the performance I came back with, you you know, and I was like, I've got more to offer than this. This is not a true, um, a true reflection of who I am as a fighter. So after that, obviously, Kung Lee, um, yeah, it was a great performance. Uh, I fought him at his own game. Obviously, that's the way I fight. You know, I'm a kickboxer. And um, yeah, and I wanted a stoppage. I got the stoppage. It was an entertaining fight. It was great. It really was. And, and in some ways, in that fight, I got to throw some of uh, the strikes that, you know, I haven't really thrown so much. I felt very, very comfortable, very, very at home. And I showed my improvements. And again, as I say, I, I showed that, you know, I'm far from done in this sport. And tell us a bit about the conversation that you had with Dana White before the CB Dollarway fight. Um, you, you, you just lost your previous bout. And you got a phone call from Dana to ask you how you were. Yes. Tell us about that. No, well, Dana called me and... Because uh, my phone is... The American phone I've got, it, it, you can't call international. And right. when I'm outside of America, it doesn't work. iPhone 6 Plus, I'm carrying around this gigantic thing. It, it's, it's, a, it's a camera, essentially, right now, unless I'm on Wi-Fi. Uh, and that's Sprint phone, Sprint, sort yourself out. Um, 
So it doesn't work outside of the US. Yeah. Anyway, after the fight, Dana sent me some messages. And of course, you know, it's Dana. He's my boss. He's also a friend. And obviously, I owe him respect. If somebody sends me a message, Dana's going to be somebody that I respond to. And he sent me some messages and I never responded. Yeah. Anyway, some time had passed, a few weeks passed, and I'm back in America having dinner with my family. And I get a phone call. We're in a restaurant. I see Dana White. So let me go outside and take this because it was noisy. And he's like, hey, how you doing? You know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. What's up? Because normally he wants something. He's, yeah. He said, oh, no, nothing. I'm just calling to see how you're doing. He said, I sent you some messages. I never heard anything back. So I just wondered how you are. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I said, I'm good. I said, I'm pissed off about how the fight went down. Mm. You know, he headbutted me and, you know, and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But it is what it is, yeah. you know. Um, and he said, well, you know what, Mike? He said, listen, don't, don't be down about that fight. He said, you know why you've won and lost and won and lost he said because you consistently face the best fighters in the UFC the best fighters in the world he said people bitch and moan and try and pick the fights to me all the time he said you never do that we say someone and you take them so you know I suppose that did make me feel a little better but ultimately I'm not here to lose fights and win fights I'm here to try and win them all you know so uh, it was very nice of him to say that but uh, you don't want to make a habit out of losing no, you went on after that, beat CB Dolloway. Yeah. In an entertaining fight, good back and forth. Yes. Back and forth war. You had a guy in there who, he wasn't running and hiding. He was there prepared to, oh, for sure. prepared to trade with you. And, yeah. You know, stylistically, it was, it was a good fight to watch. Um, and now you've got yourself about with uh, Talis Latis. Yes. In, in Glasgow, headliner, uh, former jiu-jitsu world champion, former title challenger as well. He's on yeah. a nine-fight win streak, I Correct. believe. Um, have you fought a grappler as skilled as this guy? Um, okay, so I've fought many black belts. And, of course, there's, very, there's different levels of black belts. Mm. There's black belts and there's black belts, you know. And this guy, as you said, is a world champion Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's got 18 submission finishes on his record. So the guy really knows what he's doing. And as, as I just said, world champion. That speaks volumes uh, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, if he gets me down to the floor, I could be in trouble. But to answer your question, he probably is the best... Uh, specialist grappler that I've fought in terms of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, but I'm still going to say I don't think he's got anything that I haven't seen before. You know, I've fought many black belts, and as I say, he's probably the best of them all. But, you know, I've, I've trained with guys like this and I've fought guys like this my whole career. I know what to do. Unless I make a mistake, uh, unless I neglect a certain area of my training, which I'm not going to do, I, I fly home tomorrow and it's already organised a lot of jiu-jitsu, a lot of wrestling, a lot of, a lot of everything. But I've got some very, very high-level, world-class level, world level jiu-jitsu guys to train with. Um, so by doing that, my jiu-jitsu game will be sharp. And unless I make some stupid rookie mistakes, which I won't, um, then I don't think it will be a problem. You're undefeated in the UK. Yes. Um, how important is that undefeated record to you? And how, how desperate are you to make sure that that continues in Glasgow? Well, th th this for me is more important than anything right now because I haven't fought here for a long time. There's obviously been UFC events that I haven't been a part of. And, it, it, you know, it's... it's painful to see this the, the growth of the UFC continuing without my involvement over here you know I, I want to be involved I help grow this sport out here and that might be a large statement but it's, it's the truth and and I want to be involved so now I'm here I'm back and uh, you know ticket sales have gone great I'm hoping a lot of eyes are going to watch this I don't want to come back here and lose that would be crushing it would be a crushing defeat for me so I have to make sure that I win I want to show obviously show the world in the UFC but I want to show the UK that listen you know 
I've for a long time been the spearhead fighter and that's for a reason and that's because I'm going to win I'm going to win in style and give everybody what they pay to see and I'm not saying that through some bravado or, or trying to sell tickets or nothing like that I, I so. want to come here and, and put on the performance of my lifetime and everybody just to be blown away of course everybody wants that but that's what I want and, and, and that has always been my legacy you know I'm undefeated in the UK I've, I've always fought with the pride of a nation on my shoulders and you know and I and yeah, that's what I'm fighting for, to maintain that when, when I go in there in Glasgow. And what does it mean to you to be a British fighter fighting in Britain? How proud are you as a, as a British sportsman? It's giving me, uh, you know, it's making the hair stand up on the back of my neck right now. You saying it like that, you know, I mean, I've always prided myself on that, you know, and that's why I wanted to fight in the UK. And that's why it's been far too long. Uh, you know, for me, it's been way too long. And... You know, some of the memories I have of going into the octagon and the cheers, I mean, I can hear it now, you know, it's just re ridiculous. The cheers and the support that I've had it just blows my mind and I will never, ever take it for granted. And some of these people that do, they're, they're fools to themselves, you know, because I know it can all end in a heartbeat and the support that I've had blows my mind and that's what keeps me working so hard and to go out there and have another performance like that. I didn't think this time would ever come. Now, here we are again in Glasgow. It's a sold-out arena, 25 minutes. And, you know, it's all there. And it's going to be another fantastic night. And it's one that I will take to my grave. You're in Orange County in California. Yep. Uh, idyllic, most people would suggest. Um, and, uh, you know, you're in a position where you've got access to training partners, great facilities, sure. beautiful weather. Yep. Um, you quite fancy coming back, don't you? Yeah, absolutely I do. Every time I come here, I'm filled with pride. Every time I land at the airport and I walk in and I see UK border, you know, I do. I'm happy. I'm happy to be home. I feel I can truly be myself. You know, I'm kind of lost, you know. A northerner wandering around Orange County, you know, I, I stand out like a sore thumb. They don't get my sense of humour. They don't understand what I say half the time. Uh, I would love to come back. Don't get me wrong. I've got a great thing going on out there. I do a lot of work for Fox with the UFC, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities for me out there. The kids are happy. The weather's good. We live in a nice house. My God, <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. But I miss England. I miss the people. Believe it or not, I miss the weather. I miss all of it. I do. I really do. But I've got children in school. They've been there for a long time now. And they're getting older. And so it's, it's complicated. My wife's Australian. She was never... Um, <laughs> never too hell-bent on England. Let's just say that she hated the weather. Hated the weather. Uh, but she met me. And she hit the lottery, God bless her, when she met me. But uh, she wanted to go back to Australia. But um, so we settled on L.A. She was very unhappy there. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I miss England. What can I say? Yeah. And uh, just carrying on from that, you've done very well, just sort of looking forward to it's something fighters don't like to talk about. But I'm going to ask you anyway and try and sort of separate yourself from Michael Bisbing, the fighter, for a second. Um, you're a smart guy. You must be planning for the future. Trying um, to. So, so what, what, what are you looking forward to doing or what plans have you got? for when you do eventually hang up your gloves? Sure. Well, uh, I mean, to be honest, that's always, you know, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? What are all, all fighters or all athletes going to do when, they, when they're finished? Hopefully, I've still got a bit more time. Uh, but I'm working on a UFC gym with the UFC gym, you know, but my own UFC gym. We've uh, got a 15,000-square-foot location. Uh, hopefully, that's going to go into operation pretty soon. Uh, also, we're opening one in Maui, potentially. So I'm working with the UFC gym. The, the headquarters is very close to my house. And um, 
so yeah, so I'm getting involved with those guys. Obviously, with Fox, uh, things are going very, very well there. You know, I'm getting busier and busier, doing a lot of work for those guys, and you know, I'm truly grateful for the uh, uh, the opportunities that I get there. Um, I'm still flirting with the acting thing, but I'm not. You know, listen, I'm, I'm not. That that is something I'm pursuing, but I'm not getting carried away with that. It's a very, very tough, hard business. I enjoy it. I've, believe it or not, I've got a flair for it, and I do okay. That reminds me, Strike Back airs tonight, 9pm, Sky 1. I'm in the first episode playing uh, Manchester bad guy, so that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> a bad guy from Manchester. I had to really dig deep into my acting skills to pull that one off. Method. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah That's why I've been like a method actor. For the last 36 years, I've been preparing for this role. Um... um other than that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know, it's a tough one. I, I, I want to coach fighters. I want to have my own team. I want to have gyms. I want to stay involved with the sport. Also, I, I want to go to school. I want to go and, uh, you know, get some education and maybe get involved with something completely nothing to do with the UFC. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I want to stay involved with it, but I also want to do something that's nothing to do with it because I have quite a good head on my shoulders and all, all I ever get to talk about is cage fighting do you know what I mean and, and, and maybe something with a little more substance in it but don't get me wrong this is where my bread is buttered this is what I love I love the sport I'm tremendously yeah. passionate about it and um, I want to stay involved with it long after I'm retired and uh, you're talking about your schooling upbringing all the rest of it um, you've gone through a fair few uh, very uh, varied and uh, Quite menial in some cases, jobs. Oh, man, very, very menial. Give us, give us, give us the run through of, of, give us Michael Bisbing the early CV. I want to know all these different jobs you've done. Well, I left school at sixteen. What did I do? What was the first job? Pendle Mill. Yeah, actually making. What were we making? I don't know. I've, you name it, I've done it. I've, I'm telling you, I've done every crappy factory job in the world. I've worked on building sites. I've been a door-to-door -door salesman. I've been a father truck driver. I've worked in a slaughterhouse. I've Oh, I don't know. You, you name it, I've done it. Back in the days when I used to be a door-to-door -door salesman, I had a shaved head. I was much heavier back then. And, uh, you know, I'm quite loud. And uh, I wasn't making many sales. And my uh, team leader says to me, Michael, he pulled me in the office, he said, Michael, you're not making many sales. I said, I know. He said, do you think you've been a bit intimidating at the door? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. I didn't really have a future in that. Um, listen, you name it, I've done it. But that's another thing that keeps me so hungry. Yeah. You know, believe you me, working your tail off, uh, grafting from when it's dark in the morning, going home in the dark, you know, working six till six with no break in between uh, on construction sites, you know, hardly seeing daylight. Uh, for very little money, you know. I'm not in a rush to go back to that, believe you me. Yeah, well, you've come a long way since then. So. Yeah, yeah, but in many ways I haven't, you know. I mean, for me, it's, it's just all been a crazy whirlwind ride. And, you know, I'm, believe it or not, I'm still the exact same person, you know, which which I'm, I'm more proud of that than anything else, you know. I mean, because some people change, some people get affected and think they're, you know, above certain things like that, which I don't.